0: Morning. It's good to see you. Glad you're here to worship with us. I'm uh, personally, I'm trying to get over all the marshmallows I ate last night at the at the beach deal. I sometimes they taste really good, and I just keep eating them. But we had a beach party last night. It was a lot of fun, and um, so I overdid the marshmallows. Just confession before I get going this morning, I guess. <laughs> Um, We've been looking into, we're going to in this series, we started last week looking at the, really, the history of the Christian movement, how God got it started, and then the the details. We're pulling out some scenes from the book of Acts that are going to show us how God worked then and then we're going to pull together some lessons about how God continues to work in us. Last week, we looked at how Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, says for about 40 days, uh, Jesus, after the resurrection, uh, made several appearances to his disciples and others uh, after his life. He was instructing them in the kingdom of God. One of the things he said is, Wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, they were in a waiting mode. Well, today, we're looking at the moment when the Holy Spirit came. What God did then, and then what we can learn about how to cooperate with God today. Let's look at acts two one through thirteen. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, talking about the disciples. Pentecost is a transliteration of a Greek word. <clears throat> it means fiftieth. It's the fiftieth day after the Passover festival in Jerusalem that they were they'd been celebrating and so it's the fiftieth day after that and Pentecost was the day they celebrated the Feast of Weeks, which was really a, a Thanksgiving festival to God for the harvest that he'd provided. So when the day of Pentecost came, means 50th, the 50th day after the Passover, Passover festival, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, they didn't have video. There is no video of this event. And so, there weren't actually, there wasn't actually a blowing of a violent wind. Or tongues of fire. But, he's describing what it was like. This is what it felt like. This wind rushing through. Many times in the scripture, the Holy Spirit is represented as wind or breath. Um, And so he's describing what he sees because he didn't have the advantage of a video. So he's trying to let us feel what it was like. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. This was a time of opportunity. The population of Jerusalem swelled at this time of year from 100,000 to a million. So people from all over the world came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and then to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, uh, which was referred to as Pentecost here. When they heard this sound, so all of these God-fearing Jews, these serious, what it means to be God-fearing is you take God seriously. So these weren't just Jews who went through the motions these weren't uh, israelites who were just going through they they really wanted to know god they really wanted to follow god and it says here when they heard this sound a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard speaking heard them speaking in his own language utterly amazed they ask are not all these men who are speaking galileans as kind of a blue collar person not educated Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own language? And then Luke gives a list of the known world from his own vantage point, from where he was situated in the Greco-Roman world around the Mediterranean basin. So he begins to give us a list of the, the people who were there. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, which probably wasn't the Judea right there where they were as much the locale, the local uh place, but a, a broader area, <clears throat> and I, that probably doesn't matter to you, but it's it's sort of stuck in there because he's moving from east to west on the map in his mind, and people wonder why Judea is stuck in there. Well, he's probably referring to a broader area. So Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now that, that drew some attention. God waited till just this time to do this. And it's interesting, what happened at Pentecost is a reversal of what happened with the Tower of Babel. If you go back to Genesis 11, what, you can read the story, I'm not going to go through it, but what happened is people uh, of the earth there was one language they decided they're going to build a city and a tower that reached to heaven so that they could make a name for themselves so that that's that's what happened at the tower of babel As god saw this he saw the pride of the people trying to do out of their own effort trying to reach him trying to reach heaven and he confused the tongues he that's when languages began he confused the tongues of the people and so then there were now many languages so that it was harder to cooperate and in pride do things on their own and uh, this though pentecost is the reversal of that it's a picture of where we're heading that because of our own pride because of our own rebellion to god we have been separated and there is not the, the unity that we really long for. That day is coming again. So in, in Pentecost, all of these people from all these nations are in Jerusalem. And they begin to hear these men. And they don't, they don't mention women, but the, the, they hear these people speaking in their own tongues. Not educated people. There's no way that they knew all those languages. So God did this. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine, so they're drunk. They've got to be drunk. Now, that's not really a good explanation, is it? I mean, how, how, how do you get drunk and then all of a sudden begin to speak in another language? So, anyway, Jesus told the disciples to wait because God had his plan that was unfolding. Remember, they were anxious. Are you going to right now bring in the kingdom? Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the epochs. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons when God's going to work. God was waiting to this very moment. There are a couple of reasons why they needed to wait. Jesus said in Acts one eight that power was going to come upon them. He said, wait, because like a body without breath, the church is a corpse without his spirit. And so are you and I. We sang, the very first song we sang in worship this morning talked about how we've come alive in in God, how he brings life to us. And so as a church, we're a corpse without the spirit. So are we as individuals. When we connect with God, his spirit gives life to change. He gives the power to change and grow that we just don't have with, without him. If you never connect, then you never have the power. And so we're going to look today at how how to connect. How, how do you connect with God? And then if you have connected, if you haven't yet committed your life to Christ, we're going to look at briefly what it means to do that. If you have committed your life to Christ, what happens is we keep kinking the connection we, we, because of our own, Selfishness and rebellion, we, we keep putting a cake in. Well, how do you how do you keep the line open? How do you keep that going? Um, spiritual reality is that the connection comes as we surrender our lives to the Lord. Not by doing religious stuff. It doesn't come through doing the right stuff. And then the second thing we take away from this event is. That God creates opportunities, and we should make the most of them. There were one million people in town. That's 900,000 more than are normally there. That is an opportunity. And so God is, as you go through your day, in your family, at work, in your neighborhood, uh, in your casual relationships, in your, in your, with your associates, when, when you're in the presence of other people, God's presenting opportunities to you. All day long. And He wants us to learn to see the opportunity. Now we need to be connected to Him to see it. Because what, what He's doing is, as, as you commit your life to follow Christ, He gives you an opportunity to have a piece of the action of what He's doing in the world. He comes to live in you, and he's going to keep moving you. He's going to keep nudging you in certain directions. And we need to follow, we need to learn how to follow his lead as he, do, he does that. And the way you do that is a couple ways. Uh, <clears throat> you f- learn to follow him as you make the most of the opportunities and then cooperate with what he is saying and doing in your heart. So we're going to look at that today. But life, and we're going to look at how to how to follow the Spirit as He leads. Life becomes an adventure as we follow the Lord Jesus as Lord, and I don't mean that in the sense that it's entertainment. Um, a lot of times we go to we go to Disneyland and we ride the Indiana Jones ride, and that's that's a little taste of adventure, uh, slightly scary. Frankly, I just think it's uncomfortable. It hurts. You yeah, know, you're bouncing around in that thing. and um, So anyway, now you know what I think about the Indiana Jones ride. Um, or we go to Indiana Jones movie and we watch it and we say, wow, you know, we get tense, we're nervous, we're worried about what's going to happen to Indiana. And it's entertaining because it's happening to Indiana Jones, who's not real anyway. But so life, what happens is, as you begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ... There is real pain, and there is real struggle, but there's a reason that we're going through it. It it comes into perspective as we follow him, and in the moment, in the moment, what we have to choose, in the midst of the pain and the struggle, the disappointment, the frustration, what is God doing here, and what does he want me to do in response to what he's doing? How can I make the most of this opportunity? Because... I had a friend say, he'd just been going through a lot, he's a pastor in Huntington Beach, and he, he said, you know, you read a novel, and it's gripping. the, the it's, it's suspenseful, and it's thrilling, and that's great if it's a novel. But if it's you that's in the middle of the drama, <laughs> it doesn't feel so good. And that's how it is with us. Life is an adventure, and many times in the moment, it's not feeling that great. And you have to make some very hard choices to follow God you have to you have to take some risks that are really scary and hairy and things are going on and you have to do things that are opposite of your natural tendencies you know naturally you just hunker down and save yourself but in the midst of a situation you can stick your neck out to do what God wants you to do to maybe serve someone or um uh, state a a, a truth that may not be that popular or whatever, but you stick your neck out to follow God, and it can get scary. Moment by moment, you surrender to the Spirit's leadership, and then when you look back, then you begin to see the adventure. And in, in the moment, God gives you the sense of what he's doing. But in the moment, you need to choose to follow him. We celebrated our 20th anniversary in September. That was a really good day. And it was fun to, to look at the story. It was fun to hear the testimonies of how God used uh, CIV to speak to the hearts of people, how he's worked in us uh, to bring people to commit them, themselves to Christ. We set out a while back and uh, 20 years ago to start a congregation that would help particularly adults come to Christ. And it was great to hear the stories of person after person that God had drawn to himself through the congregation. And it was it was all done on a really neat video that was great to, to watch. But I thought this morning, or I, sometime this week as I was preparing for the day, I thought about that was a fun day, but the 20 years prior, that was hairy. <laughs> there were some scary moments. I thought I thought several times it's all over. I'm gonna have to find something else to do. I I and many, many times I God, what are you doing here? What is going on? What do you want me to do? I'm not quite sure. So in the moment, many, many times, it doesn't feel like adventure, but as you as you step out to make the most of the opportunity, you watch God works and boy the adventure comes alive. If you never step out, if you never take the step to follow God. Life is pretty dull. There is no adventure in following him. You've got to take the risk that lies before you. So first, the way you follow the Spirit's lead is you make the most of the opportunities that he's creating. Acts 2.14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. This is day fifty. Ten days after Jesus ascended, day 51 would have been too late. Peter sees this happening. He decides, you know, I'm going to explain it to him tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not, I see what's going on. I think people are wondering. They're asking the question, what does this mean? I'm just going to wait till tomorrow. Day 51 would have been too late. And that's how it is when you follow God. The moment, in the moment, you have to realize what's going on. And as God moves your heart in a certain direction, if you want to get in on what he's doing, you have to take the step. You have to say the words. You have to take the action to do what God is saying, because opportunity goes away. It evaporates like steam. It is not going to be there that long. If you don't make the most of it, it's going away. So. Peter stands up with the eleven and he speaks. He raises his voice and he addresses the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And this is the way it goes. Many times God is working in the lives of people. And uh, as you walk with God through the years, you understand more and more about how he works and so what Peter does is a real example to us of what we need to do. He, he explains what God is doing using the scripture. And I'm not going to take the time to walk through the rest of the verses that are here. You can read them sometime. Um, I'm going to pick up again with verse 37. So you can read 15 through 37. But in that passage right there, what Peter does is he starts with what happened Um, with what was going on, the tongues, and he uses a passage out of the book of Joel in the Old Testament to explain it. And and that's how it goes. Um, As we experience things, what we need to do is filter what we're experiencing through the word of God. And the reason is because God is, he's not ever going to do something that doesn't line up with what he's already said and described in the word. So we need to know it. It's important. So Peter explains what has happened in terms of prophecy and the promise of Scripture. He starts with the event and explains the tongues and the and the thing that just happened based on the book of Joel. And then he starts walking through the life of Jesus Christ. And so he starts with the, the event that happened that day. He starts walking through and explaining with the Scriptures and prophecy who Jesus really was. These were people who wanted to know. And so he begins to explain, it, and then he gets down to uh, the point when he shares the core message of Christianity. And we're going to we're going to look at that, uh, what he said, and then in a couple of weeks we're going to really dig into the core message of Christianity. And so, uh, if you're wondering what that is, what Christianity is all about, we're gonna we're going to really dig in there. But we're finding as we look at this, so. The Holy Spirit's work will always match the truth in the the Word of God. It will always match the truth in the Bible. Any chapters that he adds to this book, in our experience, will be consistent with the teaching, principles, goals, and everything else that you'll find in the Bible. Actually, the Bible is complete. There will be no scriptural revelation. So, the experiences that we have should match. We match those up with, the revelation that God's already given us in the word. word. <clears throat> so let's look at how to make the most of the opportunities as we see them. Um, first of all, you need to receive the gift of the spirit and cooperate with him. Now, there's only one way to get this gift. Decide once and for all to make Jesus Lord or boss. We're going we're to look at this in a little bit. We must connect with the spirit to get the life, the lifeline is not hooked up if we've never done that. And to to understand what God's doing in the world, what he's doing in your life, what he's saying and 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 working in you to accomplish you have to have the spirit. 1 Corinthians 2:14 says, "The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned." The only way you can Tune into what God is doing in your life is to have the Holy Spirit in your life, to have his spirit in you. If you're not yet committed to Christ, we're going to see how to get the gift of the spirit in a moment. If you are committed and you have the spirit, then what you need to do is make sure there's no kink in the hose that are providing the help and resources that the Holy Spirit comes in. We're going to see that in a moment as well. So that's the first thing. Receive the gift of the spirit and uh set out to follow him the second thing is <clears throat> get to know god in his word peter stands up and addresses this crowd and they mentioned that they're galileans these these weren't sophisticated people he's a fisherman he he is a crusty fisherman that's his trade and the thing is he 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 knew the word of god he he didn't need and you and i we don't need special training you don't need to go to school, graduate school, or anything else to understand God's Word. Just as you get into it every day and let it begin to soak into your life, and, and God, what God does, it's alive. As you get into the Bible for yourself, it comes alive to you, and God speaks to your heart. And over time, as you really get in trying to live out the truth of the Scripture, as you try to read it and then do it during the day, He he grows a a, another, he grows extra radar where you begin to understand what God's doing on another level. The better you know God through his word, the more you understand his ways. And so if you just committed your life to follow Christ, one of the most important things you can do is every day get into the Bible. Pray, ask God to speak to you, share with God what's going on, your concerns, give them to him, ask him to work in your life, and listen to him. Through the Word of God, Psalm 19:7 says, "The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple." This this is Peter is an example of this. He was not sophisticated. He was a Galilean, a fisherman. He's living proof of this verse. And then the no, another thing you can do to make the most of opportunity is get prepared for the opportunity. You, you and I, we need to know the core message of the Bible when we have the opportunity to share it. So when the opportunity comes in a conversation as we're relating to people, we can we can explain, like Peter did. We can explain who Jesus was and why he came and help people understand the core message of the Scripture. First Peter 3.15, this is written by Peter says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Peter knew the answers. He knew the answers to the questions that they asked. What does this mean? Now, he didn't he didn't exactly know that that was going to happen. But God brought the scripture to mind to explain it. And so it's it's. It's important to get prepared. The key for me has been to get the answers myself to the questions that I have. There was a point when I was in graduate school, I was studying to go into full-time professional ministry, whatever you want to call it, to do this. And I decided these questions are rolling around in my brain, and I have got to dig in and get the answers. You know, how, how, do, I, how do I know God wrote the Bible? How do I know that? How do I, why is the world so crazy? I mean, why is there so much evil in the world? Why, why is there disaster after disaster and tragedy and after tragedy? Why, why do things happen like that? I decided that I have to get the answers myself. It has to make sense to me. And so I decided that if I didn't get the answers, I would just do something else with my life. I had to, 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 with integrity, dig in and begin to, to make sense of it myself. What I found is there are answers. The faith holds up. It's the best explanation for what's going on in the world. But I want to encourage you, if you want to get prepared for opportunity, answer, get the answers to the questions that are rolling around in your heart and mind. And as you yourself get the answers and begin to make sense of it yourself, you can make the most of the opportunities that come up when questions arise among your friends and associates. then you you have an answer. You, you're prepared. And so that's that's very important. God God puts us where we are to recognize opportunity and to take action like Peter did. He stood up and addressed the crowd. So the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you to do that. If you're follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside. And he's going to be prompting you at work, in your family, in, in your neighbor, as you relate to your friends and family. Um, he's going to be nudging you in a direction to pray, to pray with and to pray for the people that are there, to serve, to encourage, to support, to share the gospel message, to share who Jesus is and what it's all about. The interesting thing for me is that the Holy Spirit in me makes me want to do good. It's an amazing thing. I, I don't want to do good naturally. I want to do what I want to do. I, I would just close off the rest of the world and get after my little world, my little kingdom. But what the Holy Spirit does is he genuinely draws me to want to encourage to show appreciation, to love, to support, to serve, to, to take care, to show kindness to the people around me. He wants me, he wants to make me, yeah, sorry, he makes me want to do good. And he does the same with everybody who follows the Lord Jesus Christ. When you, when you connect with the Holy Spirit, he makes you want to do the good stuff. He, wants you to be, he, wants, he makes you want to be a blessing to the people around you. Now, the second way to follow is to respond to the work that he is doing in your heart, the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.37 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? This is the work of God's Spirit. When we are cut to the heart and convicted of wrong and a need for change, that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus explained this in John 167 through 8. says, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit's work is not a foggy cloud of guilt that you wallow in. It's not a sense of condemnation that you walk through life feeling. But it's a sharp conviction of wrong that needs to be changed. And a sharp conviction that things are not right between me and God. There is something wrong here that I need to respond to. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you've not yet committed your life to Christ, and you've been here with us in worship for a while... If you've felt this cutting to the heart, that is God. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. He is trying to get your attention so you'll turn to him to receive the gift that he has to offer. God is trying to draw you to himself so you'll accept him and receive his forgiveness. Peter answers this question of how to respond to the conviction of the Spirit. They were cut to the heart. What, what must I do now? Peter says to repent, which means to turn around completely, do a 180-degree turnaround from where you're going. Acts 2:38, and 39, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is how you do it. This is how you receive the gift. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Repent and you will receive. So the way you receive the gift of the Spirit is you admit that you've been going, God, I've been going my own way. I've been in rebellion. You're right. Things are wrong between me and you. You admit your sin. You confess your sin to God. You State your belief in him and you surrender to his lordship and leadership in your life. He becomes the boss. When you make Jesus your Lord, that means he becomes the boss of your life. Okay, Lord, I am I'm not going to do life my way. I'm going to try to figure out how you want me to do life. And when you show me what you want to do in my life, I am going to do it. That's what you say. So you repent once and for all the moment that you turn around from living life independent of God, going your own way. The moment that you turn around, you receive the Holy Spirit. And then he gives you the power to begin to change. He, he, begin to, he, he moves in to help you begin to change yourself. And then to begin to accomplish his purpose in your life and with your life. So if you've done that, if you committed your life to follow Christ and you've received the Spirit, to continue to, to, to follow him, you have to stay in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5:22 and 26, or through 25, tells us how to do that. But through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All kinds of good stuff grows out of the Spirit's presence in our lives. Like I said, he, he makes us want to do these things. And it takes time. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. It takes it takes years. Many times you grow indirectly. I just planted a peach tree in my backyard. I can't make it grow any faster. There's a reason why this is pictured as fruit, because it grows indirectly over time. God gives the growth. It's not our own effort that comes. But anyway, uh, the fruit grows, and then it says, "Those who belong to Christ Jesus do something." They they continually crucify the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Repentance is how you get the Spirit, and it's how you stay in step with the Spirit. So when the Spirit shows you wrong, he cuts you to the heart. The right response is to confess the wrong that he's pointing out and receive God's forgiveness. And that's how you unkink the hose. And then as you do that, he gives the power and resources to keep growing you and to keep allowing you to accomplish his purpose. This is how you keep in step with the Spirit and follow follow his lead. You get the Spirit through repentance, saying once and for all, God, I'm not going to keep going my way. I'm going to go your way. And then you continue to stay in step with him as you admit you're wrong, as he points it out, and you get back on track with him. If I don't consistently deal with sin in my life, I'm blind to the opportunities that are around me. We we need to be asking God to help us with this every day. Would you look at your connection card that's in your program or bulletin? There's some next steps on the back of it uh, that you may want to check and let us know uh, that you're intending to follow through on as a result of hearing the word this morning. First one is... I've been cut to the heart, and I want to commit my life to Christ. Could you tell me how? Maybe you haven't yet committed your life to Christ. The Lord's spoken to you, or he's been speaking to you over the last weeks and months. And you want to know, how How do I commit my life to follow him? That's a possible next step. Another one is, I will learn God's way so I can better cooperate with him. I, I'm going to get into the scriptures, I'm going to soak them in, and I'm going to Try to look, begin to look at the Word of God and my life, what I'm going through, and put the pieces together. <laughs> Try to make sense of that. God will help you with that. If you know Him, if you're walking with Him, He will help you begin to make sense of what's going on in your life. He's, he's promised to do that, and the Word comes alive as you get into it yourself. So that's another step you could take. Another one is, I would get prepared and ask God to help me see opportunities. So maybe you need to get some answers to your own questions. Maybe you have some questions or you're not quite sure how to share the gospel message. We're going to have some things in the next several months to help you figure out how to do that. Um, commit to get prepared and ask God to help you begin to see the opportunities that you can share with others. that so You can be a witness to them. And then finally, I will surrender and get back in step with the Spirit. Maybe the Lord's spoken to you. Maybe recently you, you, he's cut you to the heart. And... You, you want to not just wallow in a sense of guilt and condemnation, but now I'm going to surrender. I'm going to confess to God what's wrong and ask Him for His help to lead me. And I'm going to get back in step with His Spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for the truth we find in Your Scripture. And, God, I, I am so grateful for Your grace and kindness, the mercy that You show As we set out to follow you, Lord, you're, you're so faithful. Every day, your mercies are there when we get up. Your faithfulness is.